Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for 18 May 2022. Happy, God, it's Wednesday already. Happy Wednesday to you. Congratulations. We've made it halfway through the week. I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. I want to get through this. I'm looking, I'm watching these results come in, and it did not look like uh, things. Well, I don't know who, by the time you hear this, you might know who won. In these primaries, I'm not going to talk a lot. Of, I t- recorded this already. I was hoping there'd be something definitive about Dr. Oz or somebody out there in Pennsylvania in the Senate race, but that ain't going to happen. So, yeah, we'll find out tomorrow. Anyway, don't forget to go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast. Appreciate all the support and love you guys show me over there. Appreciate the hell out of the emails and everything. Go enter the contest and all that. There are pictures of the family up there uh, for everybody to see. Check it out, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. You don't have to be a member to see those pictures that I posted uh, yesterday. So let's let's just start the show. Let's get on with it. It's one of those days where you go, where do you start? Where do you start? What do you do? You got the president running up there to engage in grief porn. Uh, the president's going to Buffalo today. I'm not going to... I'll talk about it tomorrow. I'm, I can't imagine. I need... It's one of those things where if I talk about it ahead of time or I talk about it right away, it'll just be nasty. Give it a chance. But I will point out that the president, he's rushing up to Buffalo. Rushing up to Buffalo. He he never went to Waukesha. You ever notice that? He hasn't gone to the places where they've suffered tragedies and the perpetrator was not white. But if the perpetrator is white... Boom, he goes right off there. We had two mass shootings over the weekend. Joe Biden has no desire, no plans, no nothing to go out to California to Laguna Woods. Isn't that weird? Isn't that just shockingly weird, isn't it, I think? No, it's not weird at all. It's not funny at all. Actually, let me pull this up because I I looked this up earlier and it wasn't it was a little bit surprising actually to me because joe biden going to buffalo in the morning his day starts at uh, joe biden's day starts at 8:10 a.m. the president and the first lady depart the white house en route to joint base andrews and then they get to joint base andrews at 8:30 and at 9 o'clock uh, press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre will gaggle aboard Air Force One en route to Buffalo, New York. They arrive in Buffalo at 9.45. And then the President and First Lady pay their respects to the lives lost in Saturday's tragic shoot. This is the official White House schedule. So if you're sitting there going, hey, why are you reading so dramatically? I'm reading word for word what they're doing. This is what the White House puts out. The President and First Lady pay their respects to the lives lost in Saturday's tragic shooting. Then at 11 a.m., the President and the First Lady meet with families of victims, law enforcement and first responders, and community leaders to grieve and offer their condolences. The community leaders, that's just the local politicians. They don't need to be there. 
They want to be there. It's a photo op for them. It's a chance for them to... I don't know, I'm sure it's good for fundraising. Then at 1 p.m., the president delivers remarks. Mm. Then they get the hell out of Dodge at 2. We'll see how closely he sticks his 2. 3.05, they're back at Andrews. They go back to the White House. And then at 4 o'clock, this is where it got interesting to me. 4 o'clock, it says, The president and first lady host a reception to celebrate Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. The vice president and second gentleman attend, too, in the Rose Garden. There's a reception for, well, over the weekend, Sunday, there was an attack on an Asian American church out in California, Laguna Woods. You probably haven't heard about it. It's been mostly memory hold by now because it no longer serves. Once the perpetrator was identified as Asian as well, it became useless to the Democrat agenda. So they, uh, the media dropped it. But it is interesting that Joe Biden will jet off to Buffalo to offer condolences. But he has no interest in going out to California to do the same thing. Why would that be? Well, because, again, the perpetrator's skin color doesn't help Democrats. They, you'd think, you know, just a normal, decent thing to do would be to go out there. If you're going to be in the game of traveling around and offering your condolences in person, you would go to the places where condolences are needed, no matter how many of them there are. But no, some tragedies are more tragic than others. And some tragedies are exploitable. The president, well, I guarantee you, the president's going to, this is why I don't want to get into it. He's going to whine about Fox. He's going he's to attack Americans. He's going to blame all Americans for this. He's an evil person. He really is. He's just a, a pile of garbage. And I don't like to say that about the president. Like uh, The policies, I disagree. Joe Biden is a bad man. Joe Biden is wildly unpopular, and instead of doing what would make him more popular, which would be, you know, maybe not be such a left-wing D-bag, he has gone the other way. And really, he wants to be popular with a very few uh, number of people. He'd rather be wildly popular, dramatically and desperately loved by a few, than liked by a lot. He recognizes that he simply won't be able to do both. He doesn't have it in him. He doesn't have that personality. He's an angry man. He's been a really nasty, short-fused person his entire life. Look it up. It's out there. Oh, the media sort of paints him as, oh, just Uncle Joe. He's just sniffy Uncle Joe. What are you going to do? He's such a nice guy. One of the things Joe Biden is known for is being a nice guy. It's amazing how people are nice to people who kiss their asses, isn't it? But if you don't, If you question him, if you challenge him, he changes dramatically and immediately. You can find montage after montage of Joe Biden yelling and screaming and and getting in the faces of and challenging people. He he loves it. You're you're out of shape. Let's do a push-up contest. Has nothing to do with how your plans are going to break the economy. What does that have to do with inflation, Mr. President? Who can run a faster mile? How does that fix inflation? Hmm? If uh, vacationing at Rehoboth Beach was the key to a uh, successful economy, why, we'd have a wildly successful economy right now, Joe. 
But my question is about how you're going to deal with the baby formula situation. I don't think arm wrestling is going to solve that problem. I don't know what the hell a dog-faced pony soldier is, but when you called a woman that, where were the feminists going, wait a second, why are you commenting on this woman's looks and why are you insulting her by comparing her to a canine? All of those sorts of things, you know. The way you and I would be treated, the way anybody without a D after their name would be treated. But no, Joe gets to go to Buffalo and pretend to care, deliver his speech, being really nasty to half the country and blaming, rather than the guy of the mental illness. And if you read the guy's manifesto, you would discover that he is more on the left than the media will ever let you know. He describes himself as an authoritarian leftist in his little manifesto. Describes himself that way. But that's ignored. Oh, those Tucker Carlson's fault, don't you? Fox News talks about the Great Replacement Theory. Yeah, Democrats talk about the Great Replacement Theory. I I hate to break it to you, but Democrats uh, are known for uh, bragging about how it is that they're going to take over the country because too many brown and black people are moving in and there's no way they're going to vote for Republicans. When you want to talk about some serious racism right there, that's the Democratic Party. Back in 2000, I mean, this has been an issue for election cycle after election cycle in my lifetime. It's really bizarre, but the Democrats have always bragged about, well, as the browning of America continues, the Republican prospects for election victories in the future fade dramatically. That's their their words, not mine. And they're sitting here going, what we need to do is legalize 11 to 30 million illegal aliens. We don't know how many there are, but we've got to get them all legal status and a pathway to citizenship. Well, shouldn't we maybe find out who they are? Maybe we should find out whether or not they bring anything to the table. If they bring nothing to the table, why the hell should they get citizenship? That would be a rational country's question. But Democrats aren't rational people. They want headcount. They don't care if they're parasitic, if they're unproductive members of society. And I guarantee you that people crossing the border illegally, illiterate probably in their own language, are definitely unable to communicate in English in this country. They will not bring economic growth to the table. There are not a lot of Elon Musks sneaking across the southern border. But Democrats just want the headcount. Not to replace people, if that's an offensive word. Oh, they're not trying to replace. No, they're trying to overwhelm the American public and their will. As Democrat policies and politicians uh, are exposed as the bigger frauds and failures, and the American public becomes less and less interested in them, the Democrat Party does need new voters. Flood the zone. We just lost 10 million voters. Because our policies damage that many people. Okay, great. You lost 5 million voters with Obamacare because 5 million people lost the health plans they liked and the doctors they wanted. Well, let's go get 10 million new illegal aliens and make them citizens. Let's get them on the road to citizenship. We can easily overwhelm them. They can have those 5 million. We'll take the 10 million now multiply that by however many times there actually are illegal aliens in this country it's not just me i wrote about like i said i wrote about this in 2020 i reference it and link to it in my my town hall column today but in a column entitled demographics are not destiny because that was always what you heard 
It's the same way demographics are destiny. There's no difference between that and replacement theory. There's no difference except for the Democrats say demographics are destiny. We're going to take over because we don't even have to do anything. We don't have to try as the country gets more and more brown. We will have more electoral victories. That's what they're saying when they say demographics are destiny. A funny thing happened, though, on the way to their end zone dance. Donald Trump, weirdly, became more popular than any other Republican with black voters and Hispanic voters. That scared the hell out of them. That caused them to have to go, well, we need to, we need to speed this up. We need to get the right non-white voters in here, the illiterate who will be government dependent, who then we can bribe, buy off with other people's money. That's what they went for. But I, I wrote this uh, back in 2020. I said a piece entitled The Relentless Shrinking of Trump's Base. The New York Times reported just last month, this is 2020, how a, quote, steady decline in white voters without college degrees would spell doom for Trump and the Republicans. Whoa. A declining percentage of, of white voters with college degrees. Whoa. What the hell? Or, okay. And then George Will. Remember him? He used to be a conservative at the Washington Post. And someone, I, I used to have respect for him. He wrote in a column called The Coming Decade of Democratic Dominance. The Coming Decade of Democratic... Now, this was back in 2020, so you can see that you don't want to bet on the predictions of George Will. This, just two years later, the wheels have completely come off. The Coming Decade of Democratic Dominance. Uh, That, quote, demographic arithmetic is also discouraging for Trump. There are more than 5 million fewer members of his core constituency, whites without college degrees, than there were four years ago. And there are more than 13 million more minority and college-educated whites eligible to vote than in 2016. Demographics are destiny. The replacement theory whatever it is, overwhelming, flooding the zone, whatever you want to call it, the left has been wildly open about their plans in the past, about their desire. But now suddenly they can weaponize it. They can try to use it to attack Fox News, to attack Tucker Carlson, to attack conservatives in general. Anybody who points out their own words and took, see, Anybody who points out what they said and took them seriously, that scares the hell out of Democrats. That is a, if you take them seriously at their word, you become a problem for Democrats, which should tell you quite a bit about these people, doesn't it? Should. (laughs) But yeah, we listened. We read. The, uh, your memory may reset every morning and all your little flying monkey armies might not have a memory of a gnat. But the internet is Pepperidge Farms, baby. It never forgets. It always, Pepperidge Farm remembers. We've got this stuff. It is forever. So as the president sits there and tells you this is Fox News' fault, they're pushing a racist conspiracy theory and everybody in the ultra-maga crowd is horribly wildly racist it's his own party that was pushing this stuff gleefully because they were convinced it worked for them they also thought it was a foregone conclusion that they would forever reap the benefits of the non-white vote 
They know they had a monopoly on the black vote, 90 percent, and they were working towards a monopoly of the Hispanic vote. And then Donald Trump happened. And then Joe Biden happened. Then Joe Biden's economy happened and inflation came back. And there are people out there in their 40s who have never experienced inflation in their lives. And this is all new to them. You get up and gas is 20 cents more a gallon. You go to the grocery store and milk is 50 cents more than it was last week. It's the president's fault. It's the president's fault that his policies caused it and his refusal to change those policies made it worse. And suddenly he becomes less popular. He's got to find a way to do something, to change the subject. Cry racism. Cry racism. Cry racism about what he was proudly espousing, what his party was proudly espousing, what his spokesmodel, Karine Jean-Pierre, was a big espouser, not of uh, what she was a big espouser of, as the country becomes more brown, the country will vote more for Democrats. No difference between that and what they're now decrying as racist. But now it's more urgent because the Hispanic Americans and black Americans in this country that uh, are actually citizens, the people they should care about, are starting to reject them, are starting to pull away, recoil from them. Maybe they're not running towards Republicans, all of them, but a good percentage of them are. But they are not enthusiastic Democratic Party voters anymore. Democrats need the new blood. Oh, he's going to try and keep the old blood as long as he can with this speech today. He's going to lie. He's going to panic. He's going to try and make people think that this is commonplace. But I will point out that Joe Biden has never once gone to Chicago after over the weekend. More people were shot in Chicago over the weekend than anywhere else, even with the mass shootings. Joe Biden has not not only not gone there, he hasn't said squat about it. Remember that as he tells you he cares deeply, deeply. Oh, black lives matter. I mean, asterisks. Not all of them, the ones that I find useful, which is really grotesque. Looking at the uh, libs of TikTok Twitter account. Middle schools in New York are now bringing in drag queens to read with students. Why is this this thing, the, the reading drag queen reading hour, it's all over the country in left-wing cities. Have you noticed that? This new phenomenon. Are drag queens the only ones reading, willing to read to children? Did normal people... Oh, did he say normal? Yes, I did. Did normal people go, I can't read to kids. No way. No, 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 no. Or do other people go, I could read to kids, but I'd have to put on a dress and a wig? No. But none dare call it grooming, right? You can't call it grooming. It's just, you know, one of them things. It's how things go. So, yeah, and there's a nice picture of a drag queen reading with middle school kids because I don't know. If you can't call it grooming, I don't know what the hell it is. So we'll just call it what it is. Grooming. Normalizing the odd. Oh, by the way, the uh, there is a big primary today in uh, Pennsylvania. We'll have the results tomorrow. It is a, a three-way race. We don't know who is uh, going to win, Dr. Oz or Karen Barnett or uh, the other guy. I can't remember even the other guy's name, but he's up there. I don't live in Pennsylvania, so it's up to the people of Pennsylvania to know their, their third-place finisher. 
But it is going to get a lot of attention because Dr. Oz is a celebrity. He's, he's Oprah's TV doctor or whatever the hell he is. I don't even know. But <laughs> that's what he's got going for him. I don't know that there's anybody in the race that I would be excited to vote for. But it's one of those things where you sit there and you go, I would vote for, in the general election, I would vote for whoever, whoever the hell wins. Whoever gets the, I'll vote for the Republican period, end of story. That's I think what has to be, sadly, the message. Uh, Dr. Oz, I'm not excited about Dr. Oz. The Kathy Barnett, not Kathy Barnett. Um, too many people I know and respect have too many questions about her. Various and varying stories of her military service. I don't know what the truth is. I didn't get into the weeds of it because, again, I don't live in Pennsylvania. But I sat there and I, I see someone like Chris DeGaul and I see someone like Sean Parnell and they're not against her. They just have some questions. So, you know, they have legitimate questions about things she's claimed about herself. Now, the media, it's amazing yesterday, NBC News, big breaking story. Kathy Barnett was at the January 6th insurrection. It was a January 6th uh, rally there on the mall. You leftists call it an insurrection. Normal human beings don't actually give a damn, but that's beside the point. Uh, she was there, and she was marching with the Proud Boys. And I thought, well, what is this? First of all, the Proud Boys headed by a Hispanic dude, so they're not like a racist organization. She's a black woman. So they want to portray the Proud Boys as these horrible, wild racists. If she's marching with a, an organization that's headed by a Hispanic dude as a black woman, I'd say that's not really... That actually would blow more minds of people who just watch the mainstream media liberal garbage where they go, wait a second, I thought the Proud Boys were were wildly racist white supremacists. Why are they marching with a black lady? Yeah, narrative blown. They they've dropped they don't really focus on that too much anymore. But so I clicked on one of the stories and I said, Well, what kind of what is she like posing with these people as they're marching down the street? Like how do they know this? And it turns out that ABC News, NBC News, or NBC News, had combed through presumably hours. They'd probably heard that she had been there, right? We heard that she was there January the 6th. We heard that she was. And so what they did was they assigned reporters to watch every second of B-roll video and everything they could find, be it from a news organization or somebody's cell phone or whatever, and try to find out whether or not she was there was Kathy Barnett. Can you find Kathy Barnett? And they found her. They found video of her and they have screen captures. And that's it. NBC News, Dasha Burns. She is a NBC News correspondent. I don't know what the hell she's doing. She's also on MSNBC. So, you know, she's not. Uh, they don't put honest journalists on MSNBC. Said new. NBC News has verified these images of Barnett marching toward the Capitol on January 6th alongside members of the Proud Boys, who were later arrested and indicted for breaking into the building and attacking officers. Her campaign's response, Kathy was in D.C. to support President Trump and demand election accountability. 
any assertion that she participated in or supported the destruction of property is intentionally false. She has no connection whatsoever to the Proud Boys. Hmm. Okay. So if you're, you're just getting your picture taken with somebody, as you're walking, by the way, the pictures are video captures of a bunch of people walking down the street. I assume, I don't know what, if that's her. She's the black woman in the background here. Wearing the hat. And that's their evidence. Now, how much video would you have to have combed through to find these things? How much video would you have to have combed through? How many hours did you have to waste to watch every single second of January 6th coverage and social media footage and everything? How much of that crap would you have to sift through to find these, to screen capture, to go, aha! Well, however many, it's uh, it's got to be thousands of hours. Has to be thousands of hours. That's the extent to which, and that's the number of calories burned that NBC News will expend to keep a black woman in her place. Let's just be honest about it. To keep a black woman in her place. This woman is getting too uppity. She's Donald Trump supporter running for Senate, and now she stands a chance. We got to go and get her. We got to go and get her. They're doing deep dives into her military service, and hey, look, if there's something there, go for it. But don't pretend your motives are altruistic. If she happens to win the nomination, every bit of this will come back. Every bit of her military service will come back. Everything will be questioned. Everything will be fair game. And anybody who ever shook hands with her will be uh, scrutinized. Everybody who has a picture of with her will be scrutinized. What's funny is Joe Biden has a lot of pictures of Hunter Biden's overseas business partners, overseas employers. A lot of pictures, private dinners with Joe when he's vice president, golf outings with Joe when he was vice president. And weirdly, none of that has piqued the interest of the media. None of it. The president of the United States, who openly said he never once discussed any of these things with his son, never Never talked about his overseas business. Never, ever. Unequivocal. It wasn't even like, hey, you know, a, a little bit every once in a while it would come up, you know, the way things do. He was unequivocal. Never discussed it. Never, ever, ever. And what? Suddenly, there are all these pictures and they don't care. They don't run those pictures. But you get a black woman who's a conservative, Republican, whatever. Gross. Gross, gross, gross problematic she must be shown her place and she must be kept in it it's the double standards i'm always bringing this up because i think it is wildly relevant joe the plumber samuel joseph wurzelbacher a good friend of mine you only know his name because he dared ask barack obama a question barack obama came down his street Joe didn't hunt him down, came down Joe's street, came up to him, tried to talk to him. Hey, we don't do this. And Joe asked him a basic question, saying he was thinking about buying the business he worked for and about raising taxes. And what did Barack Hussein Obama do or say? 
He's the one who, that's where he's unleashed the, well, I think if you spread the wealth around, it's better for everybody. Espousing socialism. Well, that blew up immediately because to then, Joe Biden, or uh, Barack Obama said, no, 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 I'm not a socialist. He's espousing socialism, Marxism, really. And what did we get? What happened? There wasn't an exploration by the media of what Barack Obama was actually proposing about his economic proposals and how they would impact the country. No, no, it was none of that. We found out within three days that Samuel Joseph Wurzelbacher, that his name wasn't Joe the Plumber, it was Samuel, all right? First of all, his real name isn't Joe, it's Sam. Oh, my God. Nobody in this country goes by their middle name. Now now you get people who, they, they dead-named Joe. They dead-named him. He's really Sam. His real name's Sam. He's not a licensed plumber in the state of Ohio. He'd let his license lapse. He's since taken care of that. But you got to love that. We knew more about him. We knew his taxes had been leaked by the state uh, immediately. Like, you know, that he uh, he filed an extension. He filed an extension. That's a huge, huge thing. We knew more about Joe the Plumber within three days than we still to this day know about Barack Obama. Now, what do I mean by that? Have you seen a single interview with a high school friend of Barack Obama's? Not even just a video, uh, something in print, where somebody went to Hawaii and they got the Choom Gang together and said, tell us some stories about Barry. Have you seen a single interview with anybody who remembers him from college? Who can recall him in any of the three elite... He got into the three of the most elite universities in all of the world, not just the United States. And nobody remembers him there. And how did he get into those schools? Wouldn't that be worth exploring? You ever talk to an old teacher of Barry's? He's not that old of a dude. There's got to be some teachers still alive. Talk. What kind of a student was he? What was he like back then? There was none of that. So how did he get into three of the most elite universities on all of the planet? If by his own admission in one of his biographies, one of his autobiographies, his, he's working on part two of his third autobiography, one of the admissions that he made was that he spent a lot of time, most of his time in high school, skipping school and smoking weed. Now, I... Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't think that is conducive to getting into Columbia. I don't think that's how you get into Harvard. Maybe I'm wrong, but you know, I think you have to have some grades to go along with it. Now, maybe Barry was the brightest kid and he showed up and he's, I only really need one. Just give me the tests. I already know everything. And he did it while high. I doubt it. But I suppose anything is possible. It would be interesting. It would have been interesting had a journalist out there decided to look into that. They didn't. No journalists have bothered to ask Joe Biden about the, hey, you said you never talked to your son about the uh, his overseas businesses. Yet we've got like a lot of pictures of you having private events with the people he was in business with overseas. Uh, that doesn't, doesn't, it's not really squo with me, dude. How do you, uh, what do you have to say about that? No, but his answer will be, look, I met lots of people. Yeah, he does. How many of them does he have a private dinner with, with his son? How many of them does he go golfing with, with his son? Anybody? Anybody? Just random people? Joe Biden grabs people off the street when he was vice president of the United States? 
and they just happened to be people with businesses in countries where he had been empowered to shepherd United States policy? I don't think so. If if it is, if he did, then I would love to see that because the, the odds on that, I want an actuarial to calculate the odds on that because those have got to be astronomical. We don't know. They haven't asked. But NBC News dispatched a team to look at whether or not Kathy Barnett had attended January 6th and could they find any footage of her. And you know they're still working on it. You know they're desperately still looking at it desperately still looking at it to try to find footage of her inside the United States Capitol even Dasha Burns at the end of her uh, Twitter rant to be clear we have not yet found evidence that Barnett herself was involved in the breach of the Capitol more on this all day across NBC News MSNBC and NBC News Now, their streaming service. All day, all day long, they're going after this black woman. She's just too uppity. Somebody's got to put her in her place. Doesn't she understand that if she's not going to be a Democrat, forget it. She's going to get the Clarence Thomas treatment. Learn your place, period. End of story. Disgusting, disturbing, not surprising. Not surprising at all, but disgusting, and disturbing. But think about think about the Barack Obama thing. Have you seen an inter- his ex-girlfriends? Any of them? Theoretically, if he has them. I heard some stories about Barack Obama. I'm not going to get into, but you know, you can find them on the internet. But I've heard uh, no interviews whatsoever. What's it like? You dated Barack Obama in high school. You dated Barack Obama in college. Somebody, I think it was at National Review or uh, Washington, somebody back in the day tried to track down a, a girlfriend that Barack Obama wrote about in his, one of his autobiographies. And, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't find this, this woman. She, it's like she didn't exist. So they finally went and they asked. They went and asked the White House. And the response they got was telling. And it was telling in that it was needed that nobody had ever gotten this response before. Nobody ever bothered with this. They said that uh, the woman in the book is uh, the, is manuf- She's not real. She, he took liberties in writing his own autobiography, and it made her out of she's an amalgam of other girl, like a bunch of girlfriends that he dated, a bunch of girls he dated. She, he took pieces from all of them and made them into one. Like, what kind of a weirdo does that? What kind of a weirdo does? What kind of answer is that? It's like the girl, like when I growing up in Michigan, you got the girlfriend in Canada, right? Everybody, like, you could be rude to a kid or whatever. what are you doing? No, I got a girlfriend. I got a, she lives in Canada. You don't know her. It was a perfect excuse. You couldn't prove it. You couldn't disprove it. We didn't run for president of the United States. We didn't write books about it and go, you know what, let's just make this chick up. Let's just do that. You know what, her hair is Betty and her boobs are Bonnie and all that. No, that's not how a normal human being acts. Upon hearing that, you would think some ears would perk up in the press corps and go, wait a second, that's really weird. Maybe we should try and track down some of uh, Barack Obama's girlfriends in college, if they exist. 
Nobody did it. Not a single person did it. But right now, there are people combing every bit of footage to find Kathy Barnett on January 6th in Washington, D.C., because she's an uppity black woman who wouldn't learn her place. When I say that these people are sick people, it's yeah, it's partially for humorous effect, but it's also because it's absolutely positively true. Absolutely positively true. Anyway, I want to uh, welcome the new press secretary, Karen Jean-Pierre. Yes, she is the new press secretary. She's the new spokesmodel for the Biden administration. She is a black woman and she is a lesbian. Did you know that, as you mentioned? Yeah, she mentioned it yesterday. She talked about it, how she's shining a path the way for the... Nobody cares. Nobody gives a damn. You suck at your job and you're defending a senile old man who is damaging the country. But instead of getting a serious explanation or examination of what she said yesterday, you get garbage like this from the Associated Press. Darlene Superville is the name of the reporter. Uh, Is that a real name, Darlene Superville? The headline, press secretary hopes her rise helps kids, quote, dream bigger. Why? Being a fraud doesn't really, I don't care about your background, you're a fraud. Karen Jean-Pierre, the new White House press secretary, hopes she can inspire young people to, quote, dream big and dream bigger, end quote. Now that she has broken a barrier by becoming the first black and gay woman to be chief spokesperson for the president of the United States. I don't know that very many people aspire to be somebody else's mouthpiece, but okay. Were there really people out there going, there's no way a gay black person could do it? Oh, wait a second. Somebody did it. Now, finally, my dreams. I can stop building this Lego White House podium and aspire to the real thing. I don't get this. At this point, at this point if you your child believes that somebody else has to do something before they could recognize that they could do it, no matter what configuration of human being your child is, I'd say you're a pretty crummy parent. If you if you haven't instilled in your child who's old enough to have realistic aspirations, not I want to be an astronaut, uh, unless they really want to be an astronaut and they're in their teens and they're good at science, but, you know, five-year-old, I want to be an astronaut thing. If you haven't instilled in your child the idea that whatever you want out of life, you can, you're going to have to work for it. It ain't going to come easy, but you can do it. If they're sitting around going, nobody who's, who uh, is left-handed and uh, sucks at baseball, has ever been White House press secretary. And then somebody's out there, and, oh, wait, he did it. Oh, now I can do it. If your kid doesn't go damn the torpedoes full steam ahead into life, it's on you. It's really on you. And it's not on the education system, although it would be nice if the education system or the school system did go and teach kids that your life is what you make of it. They don't anymore. Now they're just sitting there telling kids, you can't. Don't try. You know, um... It's not going to work out for you. Look at your skin color. It's probably not going to work. Look at your skin color. You're, you're the reason it's not going to work out for them. You're awful and you're a victim. And uh, there you go. That's the education system. <laughs> and they wonder why nobody can do math. Because <laughs> the stuff that they do spew doesn't add up. Boom, boom. Yeah, that's right. A math joke. But this is how pathetic the world is. This is a news story.
There's a lot going on in the world, and the Associated Press burns a lot of calories, and it's an exceedingly long story about Karine Jean-Pierre. She's an immigrant. She's a black woman. She's gay. Who cares? You know how many people who couldn't find baby formula on Sunday could find baby formula on Monday because Karine Jean-Pierre was the White House press secretary? They had a, a gay black woman immigrant who was the White House press secretary. You know how many people could find baby formula? None. Not a single human being could find baby formula because Karine Jean-Pierre is now the White House spokesman. But the Associated Press doesn't care. Jean-Pierre reflected, Monday on what it means to become one of the most visible members of President Joe Biden's administration as she spoke about a letter that students at her former elementary school in New York wrote telling her how proud they were of her. I'm to vomit right now. Oh, it's so important. Quote, representation matters, and not just for girls, but also for boys, Jean-Pierre told reporters during the first of what will likely be hundreds of daily press briefings she will hold. Quote, and so what I hope is that young people get to dream big and dream bigger than they have before by seeing me standing here and answer all of your questions, end quote. Okay, you want kids to base their dreams on your ability to answer questions and your, just by your skin color. Let's talk about what's behind the smiling face, all right? Let's talk about the vacant area between the ears. She's the one I played yesterday, the two-minute-plus montage of everything is racist, everything is racist, oh, all things are racist. <laughs> yeah, I want to aspire kids. What, all kids? Do you want to inspire all kids or you just want to inspire certain kids? Just just asking. Well, she was asked in the, oh, I hope kids are inspired by looking at me answer questions. Here's an exchange of her being asked a question because Joe Biden had tweeted out. Apparently, she doesn't follow Joe Biden. Joe Biden had tweeted out about how uh, fight inflation, you got to get corporations to pay their fair share. And taxes. Now, if that sounds stupid, it's only because it is, because Joe Biden is a stupid man. And so Karine Jean-Pierre was asked about this. And guess what? See, here's what Joe Biden tweeted on May 13th. Quote, you want to bring down inflation? Let's make sure the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. That was the entirety of the tweet. Let's make sure wealthy corporations pay their fair share. Now, maybe Karine Jean-Pierre does not follow Joe Biden on Twitter, but that is, that's incredibly stupid. That is, I have, I was deprived oxygen for a long period of time level of stupid. So, asked, how is it that uh, getting, taxing corporations, which would mean that the corporations would simply pass the uh, increased taxes onto consumers, thereby raising prices even higher, how would that fight inflation? Now, I want you to listen. This is the first bite at the apple. I want you to listen. And maybe I'll have a prize. I should have a prize. Maybe I'll have to figure out a prize. But it should be a prize for anybody who can figure out what the hell she's talking about. Now, if you're inspired by Karine Jean-Pierre because of her new position and because of what she looks like, then you should be embarrassed by Karine Jean-Pierre because of what she says here.
Uh, the president's Twitter account posted the other day, you want to bring down inflation, let's make sure the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. Mm -hmm. How does raising taxes on corporations reduce inflation? Um, so, are you talking about a specific tweet? He tweeted, you want to bring down inflation, let's make sure the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. Look, you know, we have talked about um, we have talked about this this past year uh, about um, making sure that the wealthiest among us are paying their fair share, um, and that is important to do. And uh, that is something that uh, you know the president has been you know working on uh, every day when we talk about inflation and lowering costs. And so it's very important uh, that uh, you know as we're seeing costs rise, uh, as we're talking about how to you know uh, you know build a, a, a America that's safe, that's equal for everyone and doesn't leave everyone behind. That is an important part of that as well. Any any clue what she was talking about there? It sure as hell wasn't addressing the question at hand, was it? Hey, he tweeted this. Is there a specific tweet you're asking about? You don't follow the boss? You don't, uh, somebody in your shop drafted this tweet because I guarantee to you that Joe Biden is not digging out his iPhone and sending out a tweet. He doesn't know. He probably couldn't spell Twitter. But, uh, yeah, he sent that out. Somebody in your shop probably sent this out. Somebody thought this was a good idea. The wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. And her answer is, well, you know, uh, we want everybody to have equal outcomes. And Well, you're spewing communism. You're actually spewing communism. But you're not you're spewing a lot of things. It's communism mixed with uh, something that smells like uh, post digested food. And uh, uh, if, if it was consumed by a bovine. Right? Figure that one out. Uh, but you're not answering the question. You're not coming anywhere close to the question. How is it that this would help with inflation? That's you want to bring down inflation. That's the first part. Of, it's not a separate tweet. It's not things cobbled together from other things Joe Biden said. He says, you want to bring down inflation? Let's make sure the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. He's saying that's how you bring down inflation. Unless he's got a secret to bringing down inflation and he's holding it hostage and he'll only release it if you make corporations pay their, quote, fair share. <laughs> hey, if you don't raise taxes on corporations, the secret to getting rid of inflation gets it. I'm going to shoot the secret to getting rid of inflation, and that's it. So if you want, if you want to bring down inflation, you, I'll destroy this. I swear to God, I will. It's the last bottle of secret formula that brings down inflation, and I'll pour it right down the drain unless you make corporations pay their fair share. That's the only other way this could possibly be interpreted to be confusing <laughs> it doesn't it's not confusing by the way we don't have a a revenue problem the government is bringing in record revenues every quarter the IRS brought in record revenues we have a spending problem when you've got a senile SOB run by the people behind the scenes who just go we're ne we never may never get in here again let's do it it's like somebody who flies private with their spouse, and they go, well, you know, we got to join the Mile High. We may never get another chance to join the Mile High Club, but let's do it. They're recognizing that Joe Biden's administration has been such a, just an awful disaster that they've just got to push everything they can. They said, we need to spend more. We need to spend all we can.
We need to spend as much as we can. We need to shovel as much taxpayer money to our constituents, to our friends, to our organization so that they can shovel it back to us because that's the only way we're going to be able to raise money. And they're doing it and, and nobody says anything about it. You're getting record revenues. When you're getting record revenues and you're still not coming close to living within your budget, you have a spending problem. Inflation is making that worse because that's putting upward pressure and, and uh, interest rates are going up. And that's going to kill us if we don't get a handle on this. And this dingus in the White House thinks that you can spend your way out of being broke. It's wildly stupid. You'd be better off buying lottery scratch tickets with the money. But uh, as you noticed, Karine Jean-Pierre did not come close to answering the question from Peter Ducey. So Peter Ducey politely circles back in honor of uh, Ginger Goebbels and asks Karine Jean-Pierre yet again, and she still doesn't come close to giving an answer. But how does raising taxes on corporations lower the cost of gas, the cost of a used car, the cost of food for everyday Americans? So look, I think we encourage those who have done very well right, especially those who care about climate change uh, to support a fair ta tax code that doesn't change, that doesn't charge manufacturers, workers, cops, builders, a higher percentage of their earnings, that the most fortunate people in our nation and not let this, this, that stand in the way of reducing energy costs and fighting this ex existential problem, if you think about that as an example, and to support basic collective bargaining rights as well, right, that's also important. But look, it is, you know, by not, if, without having a fair tax code, which is what I'm talking about, then all, every, like manufacturing workers, cops, you know, it's not fair for them to have to pay higher taxes than the folks that, who are, who are, who are not paying taxes at all. There's no, nothing, nowhere close, nowhere close. That's like, uh, the 1945, they say, all right, we're going to get the fat man on the plane. We're going to go and, uh, bomb bomb Hiroshima, try and end this war. And they go, oops, what did you, what did you do? You bomb a nearby, you drop it. No, 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 we, we accidentally bombed Perth, Australia. <laughs> Sorry. Common, that's, that's not off by a little bit. That's off by a lot. She's not off topic by just a little bit or even able to weave it around or being back to at least sort of semi on topic. It's, nope. In other words, she tossed a two-minute word salad there to say, I have no idea what the hell he was talking about. He's a senile old man, and his handlers don't run things past me. I'm put out here because of how I look. I'm put out here because of how I look and because I'm gay. That's it. <laughs> there you go. Hey, that's it. That's what she's his story. All right, the Associated Press, after that exchange, and a whole, she was, by the way, she was leafing through this briefing book, desperately trying to find something to read to make sense, and she couldn't do it. Instead, the Associated Press doesn't look at that and go, oh, that's pretty bad. They said they wrote the big puff piece. Jean Pierre's father, a New York City cab driver, and her mother, a home health care aide who also owned a hair salon, wanted her to become a doctor. But she disappointed them by fa failing her medical school entrance exams. Probably racism, let's be honest. She went on to earn a master's degree in public administration from Columbia University's School of International and Public Affairs. She parlayed her interest in the environment into a job in the early 2000s as a director of legislative and budget affairs for New York City Council member James Giornano 
who was head of the Environmental Protection Committee. It marked her introduction to politics. Yeah. Well, what you just heard marked her introduction to giving White House press briefings as the press secretary, and she sucked at it. She's embarrassing. Uh, He's asking legitimate questions. She didn't have much better answer when it came to baby formula. She didn't have an answer when it came to much of anything. But she's black and gay, so who cares? Right? Am I right? Yes, I'm right. God, if it weren't for... Actually, it's not even double standards. No standards. Liberals have zero standards whatsoever. None. They can't meet any of them. I want to, Since we're talking about how incompetent the Biden administration is... The baby food, the baby formula shortage is still ongoing. You wouldn't, the media doesn't want to talk about it. They want to talk about Buffalo. They don't want to talk about California. They want to talk about Buffalo. They don't want to talk about inflation. They want to talk about Buffalo. They don't give a damn about anything else. They found their distraction for now. We'll see how long can hold anybody's interest. I don't think that it is going to hold people's interest for very long because, again, while you can feel as a human being awful and sad for somebody who who got murdered senselessly, you still have to pay double what you did. We set a new gas price high today. I think it's over $4.50 a gallon. Every single day for the last eight days, new gas price highs, all-time highs. And you're sitting there and you're going, oh, uh, yeah, what happened in Buffalo was terrible, but, you know, I can't afford to care. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a monster. It makes you a normal human being. But the Democrats don't want to talk about those things because they're normal human beings, too. And they recognize they, the kid who broke the vase and tried to haphazardly glue it back together doesn't want the mom to put anything in that vase. Doesn't want anybody to go anywhere near that vase ever again. But at least in the immediate aftermath, you need enough time, plausible deniability. So any talk of, oh, maybe we should get mom flowers for mother. No, no, don't, don't get her flowers. Uh, what mom really wants is her car detailed. <laughs> what she really wants is a can of that, that spray stuff that makes the tires look brand new again. That's what she wants. They want a distraction from anything and everything that they're actually responsible for. And so the uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services, Javier Becerra, or as, Bur- as uh, Joe Biden called him, Javier Bacaria. Because my good friend, Javier Bacaria, like, yeah, all of my good friends, I sit there and I go, I'm not really sure how to pronounce their names. <laughs> is it Brianne? How do you pronounce this? Brianne? Bri- Bri- Brianne? What is this? Brain? Is this just, oh, it's Brian? You sure about that? Yeah. No, all my friends. Georgi? Yefe? I'm not really sure. Who are you people? How do you pronounce your names? Could you write it down phonetically for me? But it is bizarre that as one person in this administration fails, they all kind of fail. Usually there's somebody competent out there, but there's nobody competent in this administration. So uh, Javier Bacaria, Becerra, Health and Human Services Secretary, is on TV yesterday talking about the baby formula shortage. Now, he's in char- He's the head of Health and Human Services. Health and Human Services encompasses a lot of government agencies, including the Food and Drug Administration. The Food and Drug Administration shut down the Abbott Laboratories where the baby formula was made in this country, where the, there was the largest baby formula factory in the country. 
he sh- they shut it down in February. They shut it down in February and have kept it shut down. They have searched diligently, allegedly, to try to find where a bacterial infection that sickened four Todd, for infants, and sadly killed two, where it came from. They have thoroughly searched this factory and they have found nothing, nothing, which might mean that it's just one awful coincidence. Who knows? We don't know, but the Biden administration doesn't know. And because they didn't know, because they didn't find what they were pretty sure was there, they can't do what a normal person does. And he goes, well, you know, I guess maybe it wasn't here. Maybe it was some. Maybe we should look someplace else for this. Instead, they said, we're going to keep the factory closed. And Abbott's like, all right, we're going to keep the factory closed. We're going to be liable for this, and you're going to accuse it. We're going to keep the factory closed. Now the government wants the factory open. It has been since February. I repeat that because it's important. Because... The Biden administration, the president himself, as I played you yesterday, said, eh, we uh, as soon as we heard about what was going on, we were on this thing. They've been on the thing for about four days. The shutdown happened in February. They're lying to you. And now you get to the guy who's actually in charge because you had Ginger Goebbels there saying, as soon as we heard about it, we've been on this from the very beginning. And Joe Biden says, well, we could have moved quicker if we'd have been better mind readers. We moved as soon as we heard about it. A lie. This is the guy who heard about it. This is the guy who oversees the department that caused it. Now, if he is as incompetent as everybody else, if he didn't hear about this, he should be fired immediately. He is not fired immediately. He's not even under threat of being fired immediately for his incompetence because he's a Democrat in good standing and the Biden administration doesn't actually give a damn about this. They don't care. He was asked about uh, how, what are they doing, and, and don't worry, we'll do all, we're doing what we can. It's not very reassuring. If you're in a situation where you are a parent of a newborn baby and you need infant formula and you're having difficulty finding it, you don't want some political appointee going, man, we'll do what we can. We'll see what we can do. We'll, see, we'll, we'll get back to you. We'll circle back to you. All right, we'll see what we can do. You want someone to say, we're going to move heaven and earth. I will march through hell. I will not sleep. I will not rest, even though they always sleep and they always rest and they do other things. But we will not stop until we solve this problem. They could, I don't know, import baby formula from Europe where they have different standards of nutrition, but it's not like it's 90% lead or anything. Oh, yeah. In Europe, they allow, you know, 40% arsenic in their baby. No, it's just because of stupid regulations and lobbying on behalf of baby formula manufacturers that they go, all right, well, we're going to have different standards. So it's probably more like they have more vitamin A over there and we have more vitamin D over here and blah, blah, blah. And they go, no, because our government regulates basically the nutrition information and baby formula. If your baby's hungry, do you really care that you're getting, you know, 17% of the recommended vitamin A per day versus 20% in a, each bottle? Maybe up it a little bit. Maybe you give the baby a little bit more. Maybe the baby can survive with just, you know, a three percentage point difference in the amount of vitamin A they get rather than just being hungry. You know, maybe, maybe just maybe for a little while, you can swing by with that. Javier Becerra would be the guy to do that. I want you to listen to this clip and see if there's anything in this clip that gives you comfort in thinking this guy is competent on the ball, and he is not going to let anything stand in the way of him solving this problem. 
We did everything we could, uh, FDA, and Commissioner Califf has made that clear that his team has been working on this from day one to get something done, working with Abbott directly, and now working with those who can import some of that product. We'll do what we can, but we don't produce the, the formula. We don't control the actual production plants. We can only try to do our job of protecting infants who are going to consume that formula to make sure it's safe. Do what we can, but we can't. We can't manufacture it. You can stop the manufacture of it. Do you shut down the factory for three months? You shut and you you shut down the factory for three months, and never once in those three. I get it. Immediately afterwards, you you don't think about. All right, we're shutting the factory, and then your next thought isn't, "Hey, uh, we might want to consider finding a way to I don't know make up the difference in shutting down the largest manufacturer of baby formula in the country." Maybe, maybe one. All right, that's probably not your first thought. You didn't think that the the shutdown would last months and months and months. You probably thought you'd find the dirty bacteria somewhere in one of the big vats and say, "Aha! Here's a massive fine. Give us more money." And we'll go and things can go back to normal after you clean that. You probably thought that. But you didn't find it. You didn't think that. And at no point in, you know, a week later or a month later or whatever later did you say, we need to, we really need to find a way to make up, to supplement what we've choked out of the market here. We should probably do that. Never once. Not until people on social media started tweeting photographs of empty shelves in their grocery stores with no formula and parents started saying, I can't find this formula, did the government then go, oh, okay, I guess we should probably do something about this. And what are they doing? We'll do what we can. We'll do what we can. You have the entire power of the federal government. All the barriers to importing more baby formula are vested in Javier Becerra's department, which falls under Barack Obama's or Joe Biden's executive branch. Ultimately, the president of the United States is responsible. And he's out there saying, well, I could have acted sooner if I'd have been psychic, but that's about it. What do you want from me? And there's the guy in charge directly going, well, you know, we'll do what we can. We'll see what we can do. You ever have faith in anybody ever when they say, we'll see what we can do? You ask them, look, I need this, and this has got to be huge, and we're going to, if it's not ready by uh, by Wednesday, it's not really any good. Is there any way you can do it? Anyway, I don't know. We'll see what we can do. It's not very confident. Now, if it's, we, we will. We'll see what we can do. We'll do everything we can. Then, suddenly, it matters. But if you just kind of casually drop it, we'll see what we can do. Well, going, but we don't manufacture it. We'll see what we can do, but here's a whole bunch of excuses as to why we're already going to fail and why we failed to this point. We don't make the stuff. We don't. We don't make the stuff. It's not us. It's all those evil corporations out there. You mean the evil corporations that that you've shut down, the evil corporations that you refuse to let ship in their products. The, it's their fault. Is that what you're saying, Javier Bacaria? You ever get the feeling you're being cheated? You're being cheated and you're being screwed. I want to take a second to talk about the demise of the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. <laughs> Just as it might sound mean, this might, but if you're a swimsuit model, you 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 have certain expect expectations, right? Last year they, uh, I think it was last year they put some transgender person on the cover going, oh, we're so progressive. It's amazing to me how much of sports media is done by people who hate sports. I don't understand it. But this year, 
they have you know and they have Elon Musk's mom on there who apparently used to be a model a long time ago and they have one cover with Kim Kardashian on it and they have one with somebody named Yumi New <clears throat> Yumi New Yumi New doesn't do it for me Yumi New is what they would say is a plus size model She's wearing a bathing, it's not a bikini. She's wearing a bathing suit made for somebody who's in shape, and she is not in shape at all. It's a wildly unflattering photograph, to put it politely. And they're only doing it so they can pat themselves on the back and say, oh, you know what, we're so so super progressive. The print media is dying. Sports Illustrated is dying, and this is why. You have a brand. You want to do whatever you want with it. You can ruin it all you want. But if you sit there and you go, well, maybe these covers will sell. No, they won't sell. They do multiple covers so people will buy multiple covers and then they can maybe get them autographed or whatever. But I'm sorry. There's a while. If you're Yumi New and you're a plus size model and you think you look good pre-diabetic, that's fine. You can think that all you want. But that picture, there's no way she looks at that picture and goes, this is good. This is a picture that somebody would take and use if you were trying to mock somebody, you have to see it for yourself, but it's just unfortunate is the word that comes to mind. So even if you're trying to help a cause, you're setting it back. So congratulations, Sports Illustrated. You're killing your magazine with kindness. By the way, um, Eric Swalwell, God, Eric Swalwell is, he's a gift. We don't deserve Eric Swalwell. We really don't. In many ways, we don't deserve, uh, no country deserves to have Eric Swalwell in their legislative body. But as uh, as Republicans, as conservatives, we don't deserve Eric. He's, he almost makes it too easy. He tweeted out yesterday, quote, my four-year-old just FaceTimed to ask what I'm doing to, quote, help the people in Buffalo, end quote. And, quote, why did the bad man do this, end quote absolutely gutting this cannot be normal it's time to ban assault weapons and ban assault weapons is all in caps lock so you know he's totally for serious and just to illustrate the point even further he adds a hashtag and gun violence why if that doesn't solve the problem i don't know what will but then a whole bunch of people myself included pointed out how it's probably not really what a what a four-year-old would say Right? I I don't know. I have a four-year-old. It's not what four-year-olds talk about. Four-year-olds, you put on the news and they go, I want to watch Peppa Pig or I want to watch PJ Masks or whatever. So then a few hours later, Eric Swalwell responded with a screen capture. He says, I love the quote, no four-year-old would ask this takes. You're in absolute denial if you think our kids aren't watching the horrors we are allowing. Well, your wife is the one making him watch. I don't think the kid works the remote. But then there's a picture of a text exchange between Eric Swalwell and presumably his wife. And Eric says, what is he asking for in the text exchange? And there's a picture of Junior. It looks like a girl to me. She's wearing a dress with a bow in her hair. But what is he asking for? He wants to know if you are going to help the family of the people who died at the supermarket massacre. He's watching the news, the wife said. And you go, huh, that's okay. That's weird. Why is the kid watching the news? Well, because the kid is being forced to watch the news. Why are you forcing a four-year-old 
to watch something horrible on the news. I don't really care what you do with your four-year-old, to be honest with you, but let's be honest, it's not normal behavior for a four-year-old to want to watch CNN. It's not normal behavior for anybody to want to watch CNN, to be honest with you. But what is decidedly true is that it's not a FaceTime. Eric Swalwell said on a, that his child FaceTimed him, which is a video chat on the iPhone, on the iOS. That is a video chat, which would mean that the kid then said, oh, well, while talking to daddy about whatever they were doing that day, the kid independently brought up the shooting in Buffalo. Seems highly unlikely that a kid would bring up a shooting in Buffalo, right? Even if the kid was forced to watch the news, unless mommy's sitting there going, and daddy can do something about that, and daddy daddy wants you to sleep with a Chinese communist spy, and blah, blah, blah. You can do all sorts of things. If the kid can work FaceTime on its own, then they can probably Google why daddy was uh, bang, bang, and fang, fang. You know, just saying. But what you, it's not a FaceTime. What it was was a text exchange with his wife. A text exchange with his wife. That's vastly different. Did a four-year-old really ask that organically in a video chat? No. The wife was showing the kid and pointing out to the kid, look at this, this is horrible, this is horrible. Look at what evil whitey did. You're, uh, you're white too, so you're awful, you're awful, you're terrible. And uh, your father can do something about it. Why isn't daddy doing Is daddy doing something about this? Ooh, there's our, there's our quote of the day. Let's send that text to daddy. He wants to know if you're going to help the families of the people who died at the supermarket massacre. <laughs> well, the only way Eric Swalwell could help anybody is if he just resigned from Congress. So I doubt he's going to do that because he's otherwise unemployable. Just so pathetic. I really despise it when people use their kids in this way. There's always these leftists. My child came up to me and said, what kind of a wor- world, mother, will we be inheriting from you if a woman is forced to seek out a back alley abortion. My six-month-old just came in and said, why are we attacking Joe Biden about inflation when this is clearly worldwide and not his fault? Oh, all right. Yeah, that sounds absolutely believable. And they're always lefties. Like None of them go, wait a second, none of you do this? <laughs> uh, speaking of scams and frauds, this is it's the gift that keeps on giving. Ladies and gentlemen, no, oh, oh. BLM, absolute total fraud, unbelievable. Black Lives Matter, UK Daily Mail. Newly released tax filings reveal how Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Colliers used charity funds to pay her friends and family large sums for various consulting services, as well as charter a private flight. This such as all these corporations, all these woke corporations, you got completely ripped off. Good. The documents reveal that Black Lives Matter paid a company owned by Damon Turner, the father of Collier's child, nearly nine hundred and seventy thousand dollars to help quote produce live events and provide other creative services. I wonder if those creative services were creative accounting services and how they could justify transferring almost a million dollars to somebody with no discernible skills or talents and certainly no taste in women. 
Leaders have attempted to justify the expense, saying the foundation protection could not be entrusted to former police professionals who typically run security firms because the BLM movement is known for vehemently protesting laws against law enforcement. That was in response to Patrice's brother, Paul Colliers, who received $840,000 for providing security services. Just some dude, probably hanging around with a baseball bat in one of the mansions out there. So ridiculous. A consulting firm run by Shaloma Bowers, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it or not, but I also don't care, who is BLM's board secretary, has previously served as deputy executive director, was paid more than $2.1 million for providing the organization with operational support, including staffing, fundraising, and other key services. More and more. It just keeps on, the scam keeps on rolling, don't you know? Imagine if we had a media that was at all interested in doing anything remotely close to German journalism at the time of this. At the time when everybody was out there, you probably you included, talking about how this Black Lives Matter thing sure seems like a scam. And they're raking in a ton of money. Is anybody doing anything with where's this money? Where's the accountability with this money? Imagine what could have been prevented. How many millions of dollars could have been not ripped off? But no. The liberal media just said, well, we can't ask these questions. It's racist to ask these questions. It would be wrong to ask these questions. Somewhere along the line, you want to talk about how screwed up things are. Somewhere along the line, accountability became racist. How accountability became racist, I'll never understand. But accountability became racist. Following the law became racist. And you got Patrice Colliers saying, well... These 1099 forms, they're, they're very triggering, and it's very dangerous to people like us that we have to report to the government how we get our money and what we spend that money on. Like, yeah, that's what happens when you, uh, when you avoid taxes on that money, when you're a charity, supposed to be a charity. If people don't go to jail over this, then there is, the left always says there are two systems of justice. One for this group and one for everybody. Yeah, there are, there will be. There'll be two systems of justice. One for left-wing activists and one for everybody else. Because if you did anything remotely close to this, your ass would be in jail right now. Right now and indefinitely. But Patrice Colliers, I suspect by the end of the year, maybe even by the end of this month, she'll be having lunch with Joe Biden because she's a useful idiot. It really is amazing what these people have gotten away with and why they've gotten away with it. It's just because horrible racist country, you get away with stuff like this because of your skin color and your politics. The Daily Mail story continues, Colliers resigned from BLM last year amid a wave of scrutiny surrounding the charity's finances. She has repeatedly denied claims that she took money from BLM for personal matters and has reiterated that all the purchases and transactions, including a lavish $6 million home in Los Angeles dubbed Studio City, were legitimate. By the way, have you noticed that they've been really late in their filings? They've been, you know, 
hiding these things. Why? Because they don't like people looking at their stuff. They want to file it when, not when they're due, but when they think people aren't going to be looking. Hmm? New filings also reveal that Collier's reimbursed BLM $73,523 for a charter flight for foundation-related travel, which the organization says she took in 2021 out of concern for COVID-19 and security threats. And security threats. What's the, If you had... Uh, would you recognize Patrice Collier's? If I gave you two pictures and both were Patrice Collier's, would you go, I don't know. Which one's Patrice Collier's? I don't know. You wouldn't. Would you recognize the name Patrice Collier's? Probably not. Security concerns my ass. Nobody likes to fly public. But... You got the money, you got millions and hundreds of millions. Of Why not do it? It's for COVID reasons. She said she paid the foundation an additional $390 over her use of the 6,500 square foot Studio City property for two private parties. Wow, she paid $390. See if you could rent that place for $390. Offer them $400. Hey, let me use your mansion. Here's $400. <laughs> The latest financial disclosures come after Collier's had already come under fire for receiving a $120,000 payment for consulting fees by BLM. What are the consulting fees like if your leader's BLM? I guess you could give them a special email address. You send me your problem to this email address and I'll have a custom-made response ready to go. And then you could set up like the out-of-office reply. But you can just set it up to be uh, as soon as you get an email, it immediately sends a response. Just say it's racist. All right. Well, there you go. There's the consulting. Well, there you go. <laughs> the former BLM leader did admit previously that her sister, mother, and brother were employed at the organization. God, it is good to be in on the grift, right? The revelations came courtesy of a 63-page Form 990, the annual filing required for organizations to maintain tax-exempt status as a nonprofit. This is the BLM Foundation's first public accounting of its finances since incorporating in 2017. See, they held it off as long as they possibly could. As a fledgling nonprofit, it had been under financial sponsorship of well-established charity and wasn't required to publicly disclose its finances until it became an independent 501c3 in December of 2020. So when they were raking in all that money, Boy, howdy, they uh, they didn't have to show squat. Now they kind of have to. How much money do they try? All right, we're going to have to go legit. What are we going to do? I guess we're going to have to, let's try and scam as much as we possibly can, and then we've got to start reporting what we're doing publicly. So we've got a little bit of time. If this is what they're caught doing, imagine what they haven't been caught doing. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah. In its latest 990, the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation revealed that it ended the last financial year, fiscal year, from July 1st, 2020 to June 30th, 2021, with nearly $42 million in net assets. The foundation had an operating budget of around $4 million, according to a board member. Nearly $6 million was spent on the studio city property which includes a home with six bedrooms, a bathroom, a swimming pool, a soundstage, an office space. It was intended as a campus. I wonder if it ever actually it's I wonder if it's ever actually been used. 
for those purposes. God, it's good to be it's good to be in on the grift, isn't it? Makes you almost want to turn to a leftist if you don't have a soul and say, well, at least we can scam our way to millions of dollars. Let's do it. It's just gross. Lastly today, I want to uh, give you an update on Australia. Australian uh, Prime Minister Scott Morrison, to be specific. I have never heard, this is what makes this audio amazing to me. I have never heard a world leader happily discuss the prospect of giving up their, their, their control of their country, their power in their country. But that's what Scott Morrison is talking about here. He is uh, ready to cede power to the World Health Organization through an international treaty that would put, should a pandemic start or should any sort of medical emergency, contagious medical emergency start, that the World Health Organization can come in and say, we're in charge here, we got this now, and supersede the rights and laws of any country and its civilians. It says, Joe Biden will be in favor of this. I, I promise you Joe Biden will be in favor of this. He rejoined the World Health Organization after Donald Trump took us out of it. They can't say right now, before the midterms that he's in favor, but I promise you Joe Biden will be in favor of this. I just, the, all the Democrats will be in favor of this. A big government bureaucracy that that failed miserably, that exacerbated the pandemic, that bowed to China. Yes, Democrats will be in favor of this. Now listen to this because this will be probably the first time you'll ever hear yourself a world leader say, oh, I absolutely will cede my power to uh, unelected bureaucrats at the UN or in the world stage. The World Health Organization meets on May 22, and on the agenda is a potential pandemic treaty which would allow the Mm. WHO to direct countries in how they control pandemics. Mm. Would you consider signing up to that and handing over any controls to the organization? I have always been supportive right from the outset and was criticised heavily I stress heavily, mocked in fact by the Labor Party for saying the WHO should have those powers and those authorities to be able to go and deal with pandemic situations because we all know what happened at the start of this pandemic. Uh, we, well, the problem is we don't know what happened at the start of this pandemic and I was the one calling to ensure that we had an independent process to understand what happened so it couldn't be repeated. So I have been in the vanguard of those moves internationally to ensure that there is greater protection for world health, to ensure that uh, those world health authorities can come and understand what's going on and be able to assist countries to be able to prevent the spread and outbreak of major infectious diseases. Uh, Now, we'll look at the text of all of that, but we have been amongst the countries that have been positive about these sorts of changes have to look closely at what the detail is in these things as you always must but the idea that countries can just say no you can't come in and have a look at a pandemic that's about to break out and actually affect the the public health and the economy of the entire world as we saw with this pandemic then I think it's only sensible that that's an area of international cooperation um, that is very, very important, and I've been consistent on that. I've been consistent in my desire to cede all power to the World Health Organization because nobody's done better than Dr. Tedros over there, right? Wow. A world leader just going, you know, you can take my power. You can go ahead and abuse my citizens, and I'll give the, you guys the ability to suspend our rights. 
Scary stuff. We'll keep an eye on this, but we're out of time for today. Have yourself a wonderful, beautiful day. It's supposed to be nice out here. I'm going to go enjoy it. Be back here tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Bye.